0: Morning scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke <laughs> chapter 6 verses 27 through 38. If you're like me, you'll find it uh, the instructions very simple and very challenging. But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will will determine the portion you receive in return. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God.
1: Yep, I'm on. Great. Love your enemies. Do good and lend. Expect nothing in return. In the ancient Middle East, peer relationships were formed on gift exchange. If you were given a gift, you were obligated to reciprocate in kind in order to maintain your social status and your honor. Social exchange was a a carefully managed system of giving and taking. It was a system of keeping score. So you can see how countercultural Jesus' words are. If someone asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. If someone takes away your goods, do not ask them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And don't we all hope that someone will be generous with us and give out of their abundance. Jesus' words would have challenged, would have been a challenge to that ancient culture for sure, that ancient culture of status and gift exchange, but let's not pretend that we still don't have our elaborate systems, whether internal or external, for keeping score. I confess that I do not understand at all and have completely failed at learning the social media platform of Snapchat. However, I am a daily witness to Snapchat in my home. So as I was driving two years ago, my daughter to school now, um, she would be taking selfies of herself in all these different configurations and sending them to people and then they'd send her one back And then I'd listen to the banter that would happen as they were at our house. And it often went something like, you left me on red for three days. (laughs) Or you haven't, you've left me on red for two weeks. I mean, and so I have been trying to figure out what is this leaving somebody on red and and what does this mean? But it turns out that, that with someone, when you send somebody a message, there's a little circle. This is what was explained to me that if it's, if it's not filled in, if it's a, just an empty circle, that means someone's looked at your message, but they haven't written you back. And so there's this sense of keeping score, <laughs> even on Snapchat. It's a fascinating system of tracking relationships and, and tracking who's connected with you and who isn't the worst thing you can do is to leave someone on red because it makes them wonder if they've done something to hurt you and there's some reason why you're not responding to them. But it isn't something that just kids do. Most of us can relate to to the weight and the, the mental processes we go through to hold internal scorecards of who has given us love and who has taken it. Who has left us in the metaphorical red and who is in our green it's exhausting to keeping score to keep score but there's also something about it that kind of keeps our ego fed with either self-gratification or shame so why do we do this well i think there is this sense in us of this kind of existential desire to protect ourselves by keeping track and making sure we're making all the right connections and there's also a fear of not being loved and not being received and not being seen and sometimes it seems safer to keep score in our heads than it is to learn to love in the way that jesus tells us to love now this all may seem harmless enough so what if one person is more resentful than another But scorekeeping is a habit that becomes retribution on a societal level. Think about the phrase that we use for people who are imprisoned. We say they are paying their debt to society. They owe us for their transgression. Look at the long-standing feuds of give and take in places like the Middle East and the Balkans. What we're seeing playing out in Russia and the Ukraine, places where memories are long and it seems impossible to find peace because there are debts that can never really be replaced. Our own nation's capital is deadlocked in a system where neither party seems to be able to give an inch for fear of losing power and losing advantage. Instead of governing, we see a lot of scorekeeping and retribution that is fueled by this lack of trust. Societal systems of keeping score perpetuate isolation and separation. They keep us in these never-ending cycles of give and take, harm and punishment, blame and shame. Now, there is a logic, no doubt, keeping score. But it is also a trap that keeps us in fear on a personal and societal level. One of the most powerful experiences of my life was walking amid the mass graveyard of the unidentified bones that were gathered after the 500 to 800,000 people were killed in the Rwandan genocide in 1994. In just a hundred days, that many people died. And seeing these, these thousands of unidentified remains that were someone's daughter or son, someone's husband or wife, you understand that, that pull of wanting to make someone pay for that much harm. And yet there's another question. How would it ever be enough? how could someone ever pay enough for that much pain and death? When we live in a system of scorekeeping, there is never enough. Not enough time. Not enough affection. not Not enough ways to make amends. Not enough gifts to give and receive. And... Keeping score keeps us in fear. It keeps us from the very thing we most long for, unconditional love. Keeping score is a no-win game. But it is also a way that we have learned to maintain our status and our egos. We are often so afraid to really love because it means we have to stop keeping score. I have to say I was a little jealous of Bruce Ray's Chow's sermon title over at First Press Palo Alto this morning, which was on this text, but holding a grudge is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and as Gandhi says, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. So how do we get out of this cycle? hooks wrote the society's collective fear of love must be faced if we are to lay claim to a love ethic that can inspire us and give us the courage to make necessary changes we must look at our fear of loving as an in, as individuals and as a society to keep moving through and in December, many in our world grieved the, the death of this writer and professor, Bell Hooks. She wrote more than 40 books in her lifetime that contained unexpected wisdoms across the intersections of race and gender and sexual orientation and class. Her brilliance was her willingness to take on big issues like our society's addiction and greed and racial inequality in a way that was intimate and personal. She was unyielding in her commitment to justice, all the while expressing deep universal compassion. And this came, I believe, from her commitment to this ethic of love that she speaks about. She said, the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. There is no space for blame or shame or keeping score or abdication of the responsibility to love in the gaze of bell hooks. In her writing, love is not a weakness, but a a force the only logical choice that has the capacity to disrupt systems and change the world and change us. For her, love was deeply personal and profoundly political. No person and no system could escape the call of love. So you can hear in Bell Hook's words the influence of Jesus. And the words that we read this morning, love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Jesus is telling us how to practice love, and in so doing, to break the cycles of keeping score and the endless runaround of retribution. Jesus invites us to a deeper place where compassion, forgiveness, capacity for love, even our soul's well-being does not depend on the actions of another person. The ground of our being is not found in the eyes of someone else or in what we possess. It is simply found in the God who loves us and created us. It's embarrassingly simple, as Dave said to me this morning, but it is not always easy because we have so much to unlearn but exiting the economy of keeping score to move towards the ethic of love is the most rational choice we can make this journey into this kind of love that does not keep score is the journey of a lifetime but it is a well-worn path by many saints Who have gone before us so i wanted to offer just a few important ways to move in that direction that i've learned and discovered and also read as i've been reading bill hooks in the last few weeks the first one is to just pay attention notice where you were keeping score in your head where you were holding grudges where you are clinging to stories that support your ego through fear and cynicism and resentment. Hooks says, Cynicism is the greatest barrier to love. It is rooted in doubt and despair. Fear intensifies our doubt. It paralyzes us. Fear stands in the way of love. When we take to heart the biblical insistence that there is no fear in love, we understand the necessity of choosing courageous thought and action so pay attention listen to your thoughts be quiet enough to know when you're running through those old stories and that old scorekeeping system secondly tell the truth as we become aware of what is happening within us we allow ourselves to tell the truth about the ways we have been hurt as well as the ways we have kept score. Hooks says, Understanding all the ways fear stands in the way of our knowing love challenges us. Fearful that believing in love's truths and letting them guide our lives will lead to further betrayal, we hold back from love when our hearts are full of longing. Being loving does not mean we will not be betrayed. Love helps us face betrayal without losing heart, and it renews our spirit so we can love again. There is no happily ever after in this teaching of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we won't have pain when we choose to love. And yet there is the sense that within love we can tell the truth and living in this greater field of love, we can be healed by the ways that we have been hurt. In Rwanda, victims of the genocide have been given this kind of truth-telling space to name the ways their lives were destroyed by the actions of others. This kind of naming makes space possible for healing and a deeper love love does not require a blind eye to the facts or a disregard of the ways we have wounded love can hear the truth and let us know that we are not defined by these wounds we do not have to keep score but without truth telling we will keep playing these these private or public games of naming enemies and keeping score Third, prioritize prayer. It's pretty simple, another one of those simple ones. This is what Bell Hook says. She says, I pray daily as a gesture of spiritual vigilance. Prayer is an exercise that strengthens the soul's power. Reaching for the divine always reminds me of the limitations of human thought and will. Stretching, reaching toward that which is limitless and without boundaries, what a beautiful description of God, is an exercise that strengthens my faith and empowers my soul. These ways of keeping score are so deeply rooted in us that we have to disrupt them through spiritual practice. That's the best way I know to do it, through silence and meditation through through telling the truth to God who who can help hold it in a larger field of unconditional love prayer is a way to intentionally disrupt our daily lives with time to remember and rest and reengage with love lastly practice love pretty basic when we become aware, when we tell the truth, when we open ourselves to the love of God in prayer, then we find that we begin to be able to practice love by extending forgiveness and compassion. And in fact, forgiveness and compassion becomes the flow between us and others. Bell Hook says, whether we are engaged in a process of self-love or of loving others, we must move beyond the realm of feeling to actualize love. This is why it is useful to see love as a practice. When we act, we need not feel inadequate or powerless. We can trust that there are concrete steps to take on love's path. We learn to communicate, to be still and listen to the needs of our hearts. And we learn to listen to others. We learn compassion by being willing to hear the pain as well as the joy of those we love. The path to love is not arduous or hidden, but we must choose to take the first step. If we do not know the way there is always a loving spirit with an enlightened open mind able to show us how to take the path that leads to the heart of love, the path that lets us return love bell hooks use the definition given by scott peck of love which is to nurture the spiritual growth of others love means to nurture the spiritual growth of others and she says that that when we live in that love ethic that then we realize that that everyone has the right to be free and to live fully and well because that is what nurtures our spiritual growth. Embodying a love ethic begins by asking this question over and over, what will nurture the spiritual growth of this person and this group of people in this situation? How can I show up in a way that supports the flourishing of another person's soul. That can happen on the biggest of worldwide scales, and it can happen in our most intimate relationships. She says, I know no one who has embraced a love ethic whose life has not become joyous and more fulfilling. The widespread assumption that ethical behavior takes the fun out of life (laughs) is false. In actuality, living ethically ensures that relationships in our lives, including encounters with strangers, nurture our spiritual growth. I think this is what Jesus meant when he said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. A life lived by the ethic of love is a life lived with this kind of abundance. May it be so. Amen. You're invited to give online or here in the sanctuaries you leave today, but um, as our... Global Arts and Theology team comes up to sing a song. I'm really excited about what they'll be singing. Um, the piece "I Am Here" from the musical *Color Purple*, and in uh, in it is uh, this expression of Celie, who, in *The Color Purple*, learns to live a life of love, who lets go of keeping score and begins to move into her full potential as a person who is deeply loved and created by God. So welcome, Lisa and Yolanda.
2: Bell Hooks. Will also implies choice we don't have to love we choose to love when we understand love as the will to nurture our own and another spiritual growth it becomes clear that we cannot claim to love if we are hurtful and abusive love and abuse cannot coexist
3: Don't know. Sister, I can feel her now She may not be here But she's still mine I know She still loves me Got my children can
2: that is troubled by injustice, a love that is provoked to anger when black folks, including our children, lie dead in the streets, a love that can no longer be concerned with tone because it's concerned with life, a love that has no tolerance for hate, no excuses for racist decisions, no contentment in the status quo. I need a love that is fierce in its resilience and its sacrifice. I need a love that chooses justice. to you now acknowledging that i am not a second class citizen on earth or in heaven knowing that you hear me and you love me even when others ignore the call that they have put that you've placed on them to see me to hear me to love me i know i am yours god so i won't let anyone else define me won't let anyone else abuse me, won't let anyone else rob me of my voice. And I thank you, God, because you remind me that I am black and beautiful. I thank you because you have called me to love myself enough to require more of those around me. And God, I thank you because you will not let me buy into cheap grace or cheap forgiveness. We will not tolerate forgiveness that comes without repentance.
1: That's what Jesus was talking about. <laughs> Let's pray together. Oh God, in a world of injustice, in a world of oppression, in a world where we are done wrong too and where we do wrong, You call us your beloved children and you plant our feet on the ground and say you are here. That freedom, that invitation allows us to love fully and freely without restraint, without being held back by the actions and opinions and of others because your love is abundant and full and free within us so may we take that and may we keep working to make a world where that is the reality for all where the love that we know within becomes the love that we express without May we be that kind of community for each other and with each other. We pray this week for the Beyonce mass for the people that will be arriving there for open hearts and minds to hear the words that are spoken, to feel something moving within them and to hear in the experiences of black women, a path towards freedom, It is about the flourishing of all of the world. We pray for this team as they practice and they get ready this week that that you would give them energy, keep them healthy. May they have deep courage and a lot of fun this week. We're grateful to be in partnership together and to follow them into this world, loving together in the way of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, And the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final song together.
4: i No wall you won't kick down. Lie won't tear it out. Coming. Out.
1: I invite those of you who are online to just not go into breakout rooms today to take maybe a walk or to take a moment to, to soak in what you've heard this morning, um, wherever you are, and those of us who are here as well to just, as we leave, to hold this space and this sense of how deeply we are loved and how deep is our call to love in this world as we go out. Know that you are loved. And be that love in this world. Amen. Go in peace.